Praise the Lord. Thank God. Let's take a moment. Lift our hearts with our hands. Father God, thank you for a beautiful day of life and strength and good health. Heaven's many, many blessings. We need the glory of God. We thank you for truth and righteousness, oh God. We thank you for the truth of heaven. I give you praise. Everybody said hallelujah. All right. You have a Bible this morning. ask you to turn to the book of Luke. Gospel according to Luke. Good to be right here in God's house this morning. We certainly want to feel that with his good presence. Amen. Luke chapter 9, the very last verse, which is verse 62. Luke 9 and 62. It reads like this. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Everybody said, praise the Lord. I'd like to work on this morning a fit generation looking forward. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. There are occasions when we, you know, remove what we call a double negative, kind of put a little more. I guess you'd say a positive and a understandable look on a verse. Sometimes they use the word not in OT and they'll use it twice, so they kind of cancel each other out. And uh, and so it's best to cancel them out, just move them out. Therefore, we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, okay? Instead of saying we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So we just take the double negative out and we get what's really being said. And that is is that we do have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities and uh, our weaknesses and our faults and our shortcomings and our humanness. And uh, as it is written, uh, like passions, we have things that we find ourselves kind of subject to being who we are in this world in which we are living. Things that we constantly have to do battle with day in and day out. There are things that we are conscious of. There are things that maybe our eyes can see and our ears can hear. You know, there are sounds and decibels uh, that 
your human ear doesn't pick up. You know, I've got a feeling the older we get, the uh, the more our range deteriorates, shall we say. But um, there is, and of course, if you read Ecclesiastes, you'll read about that and how that everything has a way of going downhill as you get a little bit older. Nobody here is old, so we don't have to worry about it. And I didn't say that anybody was old. I said as you get older. You get more uh, senior, shall we say. You get more mature and things of that nature. Okay, everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Um, anyway, um, in the Old Testament, under the law, I'm going to turn to Leviticus 16 and 21. Leviticus 16 and 21. I guess I'll just go ahead and pick up with verse 20. And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place, and the tabernacle of the congregation, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. We're reading instructions here. And Aaron, who was, of course, the high priest, shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of of a fit man into the wilderness. So we've got to, as we read through the Scripture and watch this, we're going to see that there is a, a real need, shall we say, a real need. First Chronicles 7 and 11 reads like this, And all these, the sons of Jedidiah, by the heads of their fathers, mighty men of valor, were 17,200 soldiers fit to go out for war and battle. Okay? So you begin to get a little picture. You know, if a, when something is fit, it's, um, it's, an adapt, it's adapted to an end and to an aim, and it's competent. It's something that's qualified or someone that's qualified. And uh, these were fit to go out to war and battle. That's what they were trained for, in other words. And um, in being trained for that, then they were very qualified and competent individuals. Uh, in the same book, 12 and 28, or 12 and 8, I'm sorry, uh, this is First Chronicles 12 and 8, one of the tribes, and of the Gadites, there separated themselves unto David into the hold to the wilderness, men of might and men of war fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler, whose faces were like the faces of lions. They were bold and were as swift as the rose upon the mountain. Okay, everybody said praise the Lord. You begin again to get a little picture here. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking here in Luke 
when he made it clear, he said, if, if you put your hand in the plow and you look back, he said, you're not fit. You're not fit. You're not suitable. You're, not, you're showing yourself unqualified and uh, incompetent and things of that nature. You're not ready. Would be Because if you're fit, you're ready. But I'm going to talk to you about a, a generation, a fit generation. Now, Noah was a fit man. The Bible said in Genesis 7, we mentioned this a week or two ago, how that he was found to be fit, if you please, or righteous before God in the generation in which he lived. He was the only one except for his family, his wife and his sons, his family, his unit. Other than that, everything else was looking pretty rough. And uh, looking what the Bible said right there, uh, the hand of the plow looking back, not fit, not ready, not qualified, so on and so forth. And so uh, we want to try to realize that doing the work of God and being involved with the work of God, it's going to take us qualifying. It's going to take us submitting ourselves to where we can uh, be made adaptable to a certain design and a certain end. God has something in mind here, and uh, you don't want to find yourself, shall we say, unqualified. We've got to be careful what direction we're facing and, and what we're looking at as opposed to what we refuse to look at. And I'm telling you, I've, I've, gotten, um, I've gotten many, uh, uh, and by, uh, what do I want to say, advertisements is what I want to say, whether by mail or a billboard somewhere or just somebody, a salesman type person. And, you know, they would like to get me involved in so many different things. And, um, but, you know, I'm not interested in so many different things. I'm interested in what is going to be a part of the design of the work of God. What's going to help us go forward? What's going to help us to accomplish appropriately this great calling of God in our lives. And as you believe the Bible and you trust God, then you begin to realize that there are things that God wants in our hearts and in our lives, of course, and that he wants us to continually, if you please, polish these things up or uh, work off, get him to help us, of course, to work off the rough edges and to uh, find ourselves more and more distancing ourselves from things that are detrimental or harmful uh, to us and to the calling and the work of God in our lives. There are things that are going to aid and abet us, and there are things that are going to detract and take from. And I, I think that we might all want to be in agreement. If we're going to be a fit generation, if we're going to be a ready generation, if we're going to be a competent generation, then we're going to have to continually turn ourselves away from certain things. Now, one of your shorter verses, but a powerful verse in the Bible, is remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Well, automatically what you should come up in your computer in your head uh, and your your uh, concordance in your head, is that she turned back. She looked back. 
And uh, in her mind, in her heart, she went back. And there was things that she kept, if you please, playing footsies with. Okay? And she had no business doing that. What a great deliverance was given to her and her family. And that was that God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And even the cities round about, the book says. Because what was so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah, it began to reach out further and further. The, uh, the concentric circles were getting larger and larger. The circumference of it, and it was reaching to a greater area. People were being affected. Cities were being affected in a most negative way, a most sinful way. And God said, I'm going to put a stop to this. And uh, he sent his angels, and, and one of the angels took Lot by the hand when Lot was lingering a little bit. And uh, no doubt Lot was concerned about some of the family. And, you know, the Bible said that though Lot was righteous and he had the right training, he had the right teaching, that his righteous soul or life was vexed from day to day. It was irritated from day to day. The enemy was just constantly dis disrupting everything and trying to get Lot to get further and further downhill in the wrong thing, involved with the wrong thing, taking note of the wrong thing, paying attention to the wrong things, and he was being vexed by it. It was irritating him. He was trying to keep some distance from it, but it, it was like just pulling him in and pulling him in. And uh, it would like to make somebody to where they would not be fit. would try to get them to look back. Well, Lot didn't look back when the angel got him and let him out, but his wife did. His wife, she looked back. And consequently, from what we read, she lost out. Very sad, but we've got to learn from these things that the Bible gives to us. We've got to learn that this great, now you think about how great that was, that that whole place was going to be destroyed. And Abraham, Abraham prayed for Lot and his family. He prayed for that whole entire area, asking God if he found this many righteous, would he, would he not spare it because of the righteous that were among them? And and he brought that prayer right on down, friend, in numbers, numerical-wise, to a small, small, small number, trying to uh, intercede. And, uh, and here we have God doing this great thing. He sends his angels, and he, he begins to reach for some of the righteous and get them out of there, get a, invoke a, a rescue plan here, and let's, let's get them out of here. And uh, I want you to understand, God is interested in us realizing that he has made a way of escape, and that having that affected in your life, that you have repented of your sins, that you have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, thereby your sins are washed away by his precious blood, and you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then you need to realize how great that is, that that's not a small thing, and that's not something to let become ho-hum in your life or to be ignored in your life, that you start to look away from it and look in different directions. You start to hear different things 
and uh, uh, pay attention to other things instead of to what God has called you to pay attention to and to be a part of that he wants you he wants to qualify you he wants you to be to be competent in the calling that he's given to you he wants us to be a fit a fit now if i said that in the realm of sports then you know you would you would quickly identify with what i mean by fit okay that was a time when I was fit. I, I could hit the ground and do the push-ups and the sit-ups. Not no more. <laughs> Not anymore. Forget that. Okay. So, but spiritually is what we're talking about. I'm not talking to you about uh, what the Bible said, bodily exercise profiteth little. You know, uh, I read about a guy that would get up at 3 o'clock every morning and start his day earlier so he could get to bed earlier. He came from a very wealthy family, but he wanted to live, you know, forever. And he thought staying, getting in shape and staying in shape was going to do that. Well, guess what? He's dead. That's not going to happen. If you're going to live forever, it's going to be because you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And not only that, but you're going to want to live forever. Without that experience, you're not going to want to live forever. And unfortunately, you will, but in the wrong place. It'll be nothing but fire and brimstone and agony and suffer the, the memory of beating of, of your memory, your memory beating you of all the lost opportunities, missed opportunities, spurned opportunities. And uh, so it's it's important to realize now. It's important to take the, get the focus now and to, you know, dial it in. And say, okay, God has made a way of escape for me. And uh, as Jesus had said, how shall you escape the damnation of hell and hell fire? Well, he went on to tell them, if you're going to do that, you, if you want to do that, he said, you're going to have to be born again of water and of the Spirit, of water baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, and of Spirit filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God, the gift of eternal life. If if that's what you are aiming for, to escape the the horribleness of that place called hell and the lake of fire, and that's certainly what God is raising up a church and sending it forth, and that church continuing on because it obeys the scripture and the Spirit of the Lord, and it was fit men and women that went out to do spiritual battle who were faces like a lion. They were bold, friend. They, they didn't let people's ridicule and the peer pressure and whatever everybody uh, thinks they're, you know, popular and all about and what we should be doing. And I'm telling you, we turn away from those things. I had a man ask me yesterday, he said, man, what happened to you? He said, you're so skinny. And I said, well, you know, and I, you feel that feeling of I'm going to tell him this and he's not going to believe me. But then he needs to hear it, whether he's going to believe it or not. And I'm hoping he will. I just said, well, I got very sick, but the Lord healed me. I got very quiet all of a sudden. 
That's very quiet. He wasn't expecting that answer. But you know what? We want to keep God before people. We want to, we want to show him how he is. He's a great God. He's a big God. He's a mighty, almighty God. And we want people to know that he is the healer. He is the Savior. They came to Jesus, you know, and they, in the days of his flesh and his earthly ministry, and as he went about doing the work of God, being an example of what is fit, and uh, he came for the purpose of giving his life on the cross after showing the presence of God and the power of the Spirit of the Lord in the days of his flesh, and how that they they came to catch him in his words that they might destroy him, the Scripture said. Isn't it terrible when a spirit gets a hold of people and they just want to destroy? They just want to tear up uh, the work of God. They want to make fuss and, and make argument and make problems instead of being cooperative, instead of, you know, men that were fit, they were men that were in rank and in harmony and step. They could take orders. They didn't, they didn't take issue with orders. They didn't, they didn't show an, uh, 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 an unbelieving attitude towards orders, if you please. They, they did what they were told. They believed, and they followed through. And they, they were qualified. That's why they were raised up to do what they were doing and what needed to be done. And as they came to, to catch Jesus in his words, that, might, that they might destroy him. I mean, you know, when you face spirits down and you put your finger on and you name and call it out for what it is, people don't, don't believe that. And even though they're acting a certain way and doing certain things, they don't believe it. I think I've given you the example before of, of the individual that uh, the prophet Elijah, he, he told him, and, and, and he, he wept. He just The prophet just settled his countenance. He was trying to control himself, and he, he couldn't help it. He just finally wept. And the, the man he was talking to said, what's wrong? He said, I know what you're going to do. And he began to tell him what he was going to do. And he said, what am I, a dog, that I would do that? And then you read a couple more verses, and he went right out and did it. You know? People oftentimes do not realize the spirit that is working in the midst and even on them. If you go to a doctor, though, and you tell him, oh, feel good, oh, feel good, you know, and he runs his test and he says, well, you've got cancer, you, you've got some other uh, heart problem or whatever, you know, you fix an organ and says there's something wrong with it. And um, most people aren't going to argue with that. Most people are just going to say, oh, wow, okay. Wow, bad news. What can we do? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and usually people get very cooperative. You know, I'll do anything. I'll stop eating Big Macs, whatever, <laughs> which is biblical, right? Okay. So um, anyway, I'm just simply saying that uh, we want to be this fit generation. We want to be this group of people in the time in which we are living. We want to be this, this fit generation that's going forward, that our hand is to the plow, and we're going forward. And that's often referred to as the gospel plow, and we're going to just plow right on, friend, and we're going we're to bring this message 
to every man, woman, boy, and girl. And we're not going to uh, get distracted and go way different directions or go backwards. We're not going to get involved with the things of this life, and the affairs of this life, to get entangled again in those things. And I can tell you that one of the things that causes people to get involved again in the wrong things. I, I hear things across the nation uh, that are going on supposed to be among us as the church, the kind of people we are. And, uh, and they're going back to things and getting entangled in things that God delivered me and my wife out of. And we were just 20 and 17 years old. We were young. And we didn't know anything about the church, the Bible, the Word of God, the work of God. We were, we were completely ignorant of that. We had no knowledge of that. And I've told it many times, if you had said, turn to the book of Second Hezekiah, I would have been hunting it because I didn't know that there, there was not that kind of that named book in the Bible. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know at that time the books of the Bible, and uh, I certainly had never read them. But I'm saying to you that that God delivered us. He saved us from all these different things that are this world is made up of, and that they run after, and that I at one time ran after, and chased after, and was interested in, and involved in, and and trying to achieve. and uh, But uh, one day, the goodness and the love and the mercy and the grace of God plucked us out of that raging torrent of the course of this world. He pulled us out. I, I, um, I used to be a dentist in this town. Many of you probably didn't know him or know, or know of him. But his name was Dr. Luce. And uh, Dr. Luce was a very good dentist. And... Uh, I remember that his wife, she worked with him in his practice. And uh, I remember him telling me, or her telling me, that they, one of their fun things to do was to go white water rafting. And uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I'm just telling you this is what she told me. And so, and there's different levels of white water rafting. I guess it's white water because it boils up. It's, it can get pretty rough, and uh, going down those rapids and what have you, and and so they were on a whitewater rafting trip, having themselves a big time, and you know they they were getting up there. By that time, they were probably in their mid fifties, and uh, you know you sit in this boat, and uh, and you're going up and down, you're going every which way, and and, uh, and you you wear life jackets. Whether you can swim or not, you wear a life jacket. And um, I'm sure if not anything else, it's a matter of insurance for the company. But nonetheless, she told me, she said, we were, we were in the throes of it. We were in the midst of it. She said, he fell out of the boat. And she said, and I reached over that side of that boat, and I grabbed him by his life jacket, and I pulled him out, and I said, oh, no, buddy, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, I'm just trying to tell you that, you know, We've, uh, we've got a bit of a job to do here, and I'm saying that God did a job on us. He pulled us out. He pulled us out of the, the mess of this world that was trying to drown us and destroy us. He pulled us out. No small thing is a great thing. It's a big thing. Okay? 
And uh, he sets about then through the church, through the body of Christ. Because when he brings us out of the mess, he puts us into the church. By one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. And he brings us into the body of Christ through the born-again experience, through being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what puts us in the body of Christ, the church. And in so doing, then uh, he sets about, as he sent in the church, apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers for this work of the ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ, and so on and so forth. All this is done to make us fit, to make us competent, to make us qualified, to learn how God has things done and how God wants things, what he's expecting of his army, if you please. And it is written about, uses the word soldier, that we should be good soldiers, okay, that we learn to endure hardness. There were people that left Jesus. There were people that turned back from following Jesus. And you think about that. Uh, you know, we, we think, oh, if I lived with Jesus, was walking a fence, yard, man, I wouldn't turn away from him. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Well, there were certainly those that did. And your Bible makes it very clear. But they turned and they, they went away from and one place said because he spoke hard sayings. They said that he speaketh hard sayings. Who could hear? Who could, who could take that? Who could listen to that? Who could tolerate that? But, you know, Jesus wasn't raising up uh, people that were uh, going to be soft and uh, namby-pamby. That wasn't who he was raising up. He was, he was calling men and women, boys and girls, to come be good soldiers, to endure hardness, that there was going to be some difficult times. There was going to be some challenges. And he led the way by example. He went to Calvary. He gave his life on the cross. He gave his back to a, a 361 stripes and on the edge uh, of the the reason it was like that is because on the edge of that whip, that cat of nine tails, they put fragments of metal and bone so that when they whipped you, it, it flayed you. It just took away. Uh, it's funny to, um, you know, and those guys knew what they were doing. I mean, they knew how to crack that whip, and they knew how to take the hide off of somebody. I remember on Thanksgiving here, some of the younger girls were standing there looking what to do, and, and Sister Black I don't want to say old Sister Black, but experienced Sister Black. Um, she was in the kitchen, and she took one look at that. <laughs> she was going to rip that thing off. She started going to work. She knew what she was doing. And, I mean, I was there, and I was like, that's a woman that knows what she's doing. You know? Well, God is raising up. And I know there's plenty of you that know what you're doing. But I'm saying God is raising up. You know, it's, I think we would say she knows her way around the kitchen. Maybe that's how we would describe that, okay? And so we want to we wanna be people that know our way or God's way around his work. We want to be a fit generation that's not looking back but going forward. Okay, that we've got our hand on the plow and we're plowing on. Plowing on. And if our hand is to the plow and we're going forward, then we are fit. 
then we are fit. And one place said, for the master's use. And that's who we want to be used by. Be used by the master. There are, there, everything in this world is out to use you. But only Jesus will use you for your benefit. This whole world is geared on using you for their benefit. That's what they're all about. They take advantage of you, in other words. And the Bible said, in one place, lest Satan get an advantage of us. Okay? So God knows how to make us fit. He knows how to arm us to be expert in the battle and the war that we're involved in. Okay, There's a war for your soul. And you have an obligation also for the next generation. You've got children or you've got family. And little ones coming up, you've got a responsibility here, a grave and important responsibility to get this to the next generation. Got to get it to them. Got to teach it to them. Got to be an example of it to them. Okay? And Jesus had lots of opportunities to bail out. He had lots of opportunities where the sign said detour here. He could have gone in lots of different directions. But, and, and people wanting him to calling him to. And he made it clear. He said, if I do that, then the scriptures won't be fulfilled. In other words, you'll be lost. If I've got to give my life on that cross, I've got to give my, we need to get that uh, type of burden upon us that I need to give my life. I need to give my life to the work of God. I need to tell myself I'm not going to spend my life giving all my time and my energy to these different things, especially things that God pulled me out of. I don't want to go back to those things. I don't intend to be found sitting in the, in, in the middle of a stadium somewhere, you know, Yankees or Mets or somebody, I don't know, whatever your team might have been or is or whatever. hope it's not a Mills. I don't care what color they wear or whether they win or lose, man. I can read a little something in the newspaper, and that's more than enough for me. Okay? And sometimes you just turn it off completely. Don't even read that part of the paper. Just let that go by. You just tell yourself, you know, just don't want to get caught up in it. I want to get caught up in the first resurrection. And that's going to take some effort, church family. That's not going to happen by accident. You're not going to trip into heaven. <laughs> it's not going to be an accident. This is going to be that you, you get your heart and your mind on what's going on, and you and you tell yourself, I want to be a part, I want to qualify to be a part of this fit generation that's going forward. I want to be a part of it. I want my hand uh, to be next to the other guy's hand on that plow, and I want to be pushing forward. I want to, I want to join ranks and be in harmony with uh, men like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and all the great prophets all the way up to John the Baptizer, who Jesus said there's not a greater uh, born among women uh, as a prophet than John. And he called him more than a prophet. I started scratching my head. How do you be more? What do you mean more than a prophet? <laughs> what do you mean by that? More than a prophet. Wow. You're talking about giving an endorsement to somebody. Friend, Jesus Christ gave John the Baptizer quite an endorsement. And then he said, but he, you know, and I'll say it the way it really is, he that gets baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost is greater than John. The least of that person is greater than John. Woo! It's no small thing what God is doing and continues to do in this church age. 
in this time called today. It's not a small thing. It's a great thing. And if we can visualize it as such, if we can see it for what it is, maybe we can get properly excited about it. You know? And say, I want to be a part of that. And I want to stay a part of that. And I want to, I want to be qualified and qualifying myself. It's not uh, something that you, you're going to do for just a little while. And then you just set it aside and think it'll take care of itself. Okay? And what you've got to watch out for, again, is that we don't go back like the enemy wants us to, put the hand to the plow, look back. We don't want to look back. We don't want to go back. We want to remember Lot's wife. We want to learn the lesson here. Okay? And so we've got to get our focus and go forward and realize that there are many challenges for your attention and for your time and for your energy and for your, your brain power in this day and age in which we live. All kinds of distractions and anything to, to take up your time so that when it comes to do for God, well, I'm too tired. I don't have the time. Or I'm broke. Well, I found out if you do the work of God, the money will come. Yeah. If you'll be if you'll be faithful to God, He'll take care of everything. We had somebody come off the street not too long ago. I mean, maybe two weeks ago. Made a phone call. I answered the phone. I didn't know who the guy was. Um, never met him. And he said, um, "You still a Christian?" He said, "Okay." He said, "I want to come by." He said, "I wanted to give a donation." And it just so happened, he had a $6,000 need. You know, God knew we had a $6,000 need. And I guess God heard me sniveling about it up and down here somewhere. You might have seen the snot marks. <laughs> Skid marks. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, anyway uh, sure enough, he wrote a check for the church, $6,000. And uh, I wasn't even there when he brought the check by. I didn't even get to meet the guy. But, uh, you know, thank God. Thank God. Yes. God, God take care of it. He'll just do the work. Just be about his business. He can take care of all your financial needs if you'll just do your business right. Work with God. Okay? Work with God. He'll take care of it. Show ourselves cooperative. Show ourselves interested. Showing God that, that we're, we want to be fixed. That we've got a hand in the plow. Want to go forward. Yeah. You know, I, um, I wish that we could sharpen up. I see, I have through the years seen and experienced things that really made me scratch my head why certain people would make certain decisions. I don't understand why they send our kids off to college, you know. Ooh, it's Harvard. Yeah, it's spelled H-E-L-L, though. You better wake up. 
We had a young man here at this academy, and uh, when we graduated him, he was a very good student. They came, they made the sacrifice, they drove from Moorhaven down here to bring their son to our academy. He did his high school years with us, and um, he, uh, when he graduated, he got into some college upstate, and uh, so one day his dad contacted the college. He wanted to know how his son was doing. And they said, well, we can't tell you that, sir. He said, what do you mean you can't tell me? He said, well, he's an adult now. He said, that's his business. If he wants to tell you how he's doing and what his grades are, he can do it, but we can't. He said, really? He said, I'm paying the bill. He said, well, I'm sorry, sir. That's, that's the way it is. So he said, well, I'm sorry, too, and he took the boy out. <laughs> and, and you know the boy, when he, when he went off to, to school, he was, you know, coming with us. I mean, you know, we have, we have uh, uniform, and we have good rules, and good controls, and, and when he brought him back, he had long old hair, and he had beard and goatee, and all kinds of junk going on, it just didn't even look like he did when he was with us, nowhere near it, and his dad put him right down the street here at Palm Beach, it was community college at that time, because now it is Palm Beach State College, which means it's four years instead of two years, and um, he, uh, you know, everything began to improve. His grades began to improve. His attitude began to improve. Things began to go in the right direction. You can take somebody out of a controlled environment, and if you're not careful, and in most cases it, it don't take any carefulness, and, and, and they, they're going to be very negatively affected by this system. That's why I try to tell our young people, when you go get a job or you, uh, you go on to a higher education. Don't forget who you are. You know, you're not going there to fit in with them. You're going there to be a light. Sister Irma was among the first ones to get here this morning with her granddaughter, and, and uh, I was plugging in some of the lights and lit up the Christmas tree, you know. And, and uh, she goes, that's what we should do. We should shine like that. We should be lights like that. And I said, that's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the Bible teaches that those of us that will turn people from unrighteousness to righteousness, that we will shine as the stars in the heavens. Okay? So God help us to realize what we're called to be a part of. Okay? That this isn't brand X. This isn't part-time. This isn't some little mealy mouth situation. This is a real deal. Okay? This is the body of Christ. Women, men, boys and girls fought their way through all kinds of obstacles. Okay? Just like your faith did. Only, you know, I'd say it was a little more intense in the, in the world in which we live now. And I can prove that there will be more spirits that we will have to contend with now than they did then, okay? So, you might want to wake up, the Bible says, the righteous. One place said, shake yourself, all right? 
And I'm not talking about shaking on the dance floor neither. Maybe we better make that crystal clear, huh? After all, they have Christian dance floors. Yeah, have you ever? They got everything, and they just put the word Christian in front of them. That's why we don't hardly ever use the word Christian, because they've watered it down so much. You know, I like iced tea, and I like ice, but I put so much ice in me, after a while I don't have iced tea, I just have ice water. <laughs> I've diluted it so badly, you know, and... Uh, so I'm, I'm simply saying, see, you didn't know it, but you know that, that iced tea is kind of uh, an orangey-yellow, right? It's kind of strong, you know. And, uh, but when I get done with it, it's almost transparent. See, that's what happened to me. See, I'm re- I really have a good tan. You guys just don't know, but I just got watered down over the years. You know, that's why I love to go in and tell everybody, these are my people. And they're looking, they're looking, looking at me. But it's good, good layer of Suffering in there. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Got some good Holy Ghost going on in there. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. You just thought I was white, but see, it's just, it's winter. That's the problem. You ever heard there is such a color as winter white? I'm going to get back around to that better time. Okay, you can see that. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Everybody said, Hallelujah. Give God a big hand. Come on. You know, there are things that just don't matter, and color don't matter. They just don't matter. And, and I tell you what, they just love to use it to confuse the issue. Let you and I stay on point. Hand to the plow, going forward. You've got to be born again of water and spirit, you know. No matter how they want to make some kind of fuss out of something and distract people and get people going all these different directions and get caught up in all the different issues of life, okay, We're not going to do that. We're going to stay right on point. And everybody said amen. Everybody said hallelujah. We've got another generation that we've got to educate to the truth. And the best way to educate your child and your loved ones and your neighbors and strangers, which are friends you've yet to meet, the best way to do that is to be thou an example. Be an example of the believer. That like hanging your... Uh, a flag out on a pole. You know, everybody can look at the flag and see, oh, look at that. Okay. It's identifying something, whether it's the American flag or whatever. It's right up there and it's flapping in the breeze and it's very distinctive. Well, by the same token, you and I want to be a very distinctive light. We want people to know who we are, who we represent, and what we're about. And we want to put our best foot forward. Okay. We want to put our best foot forward. We want to, uh, it, it means sometimes in the enduring hardness that there's going to be some things come our way that we're going to have to tolerate. We have to stomach it. We're going to have to put up with it. Okay? We're going to have to do that. And I'm telling you what, we're, we're entering into some very murky and dark waters, some very choppy waters, some very stormy situations. But we know the one who can stand right up in the middle of it all and calm it all down, and that he can bring us as his church through it. He can help us with things that we can't do ourselves. And I read they want they wanted to destroy him. They wanted to catch him in his words. They were looking for any excuse, anything that he might say and mean good about it, they wanted to twist it and, and put it, attach another meaning to it. 
So here's, here's somebody that's got an infirmity, and, and uh, so they say to him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And boy, if you know Jesus started teaching them a lesson, friends, you've heard the old saying, well, shut my mouth. Well, he shut their mouth. And I didn't read about them having any comeback. He got done. He's given Bible examples, one after another, things that had taken place under the law. And then he just turns to that infirmity person, that person with an infirmity, and he heals them right in front of them. And then they were filled with sadness. Why would anybody want to destroy something good? Why would anybody want to come against Because we have these evil forces. We have a Satan that got up in God's face and is going to tell God how it ought to be. I don't understand why he did it this way, God. I think we should do it this way. And on and on and on it went until finally war broke out in heaven. And Michael and his angels thrust out Satan and his angels. You might want to find out what kind of angel you're dealing with. Oh, I'm going to marry her. She's an angel. She may be a fallen angel. You might want to find out. <laughs> we'll find out what you're dealing with. Say, well, you're a fallen angel. What do you mean? Well, then the same thing goes for the he side of it. Right? You know, we got, to, we got to know what we're dealing with. We got to be discerning. Yeah. You know, there was that woman that um, she and her husband went down to Mexico. They were down in Mexico, and they, she found her what she thought was a, a cute little dog. And so she brought her cute little dog back to the United States. And she just loved that little thing and pet on that thing and kiss on that thing. And I, I don't know how that works. You kiss the dog, and then you turn to kiss your husband. How does that, how does that go? How does that go? That's when I run away. No, 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 no. I just run away from that. See you later. Where are you going? Get you a bottle of scope. <laughs> and yeah. So anyway. Anyway. So uh, uh, she's loving on that thing and hugging that thing and kissing that thing and bathing that thing. And of course, now they have strollers for that thing, you know, and, and pampers, believe it or not. And, uh, and they even have animal, it used to be animal cookies. Now it's a bakery that animals. Bakery, and uh, yeah, and um, all that kind of stuff. And so, one day, she felt like the dog wasn't looking too good. So she took the dog to the vet. Her little pixie dog to the vet, and the vet examines her. He comes back out in the waiting room and he tells the husband and the wife. He said, um, he said you brought this from another country, yes. And um, I understand that you feel like it's your pet, yes. She said, yes, it's my pet dog. He said, yeah, well, it's not a dog. He said, it's a rat. You might want a true, true account here. I'm not making a true account. And the way I see people out there, I could definitely believe it's a true account, you know. Oh, yeah. 
read the Bible about inordinate affections? Yeah, inordinate affections. They're out there, friends, and God help you. Now, now religious leaders are coming out saying that that uh, the animals are, are going to go to heaven. They'll say anything to get money. They'll say anything to win a crowd over. If you can get a crowd, get money. Don't get it. Anybody can get a crowd. Just let down enough. Just compromise enough. Just let every, just open the floodgates and let everything in. We're not looking for a crowd. We're looking for a fit generation that's going to go forward. That's a group that's going to be competent. That's a group that's going to be designed, made for a certain thing, an aim, a purpose, okay? something of God. And when you read your Bible, you, you read that, that there was people that turned back and went away they said it was who could hear it too hard, too difficult, too challenging, too demanding. All right, but not so, church family, not so at all. It's been said over and over and over again that it's living for God is easy. Jesus even said, used the word easy. Okay, hard is the transgressor. That's the way that it becomes difficult. That's when things don't aren't going to go right. Things aren't going to work out right. Okay? And in the final analysis, hard wouldn't even begin to describe the misery and the agony, the pain and the suffering that will go on world without end. I want to be adapted to this aim and to this purpose. I want us all to let God educate us to the right way of doing things. Everybody said praise the Lord. We want to, you know, I want to be, I want to be ready. I want to be a good spiritual condition to be ready to do his bidding, to do his work, to get up and get out about his business. Nothing could be more exciting. Nothing could be more fulfilling than to be in the church and be a part of what the church is doing. Out there is, you know, it's, it's again, it's no new thing among us, but the ark and Noah and his family and a bunch of animals. And uh, the storm is on, the lightning is flashing, the waves are all over the place. And, uh, you know, somebody's going to complain that the elephant was trumpeting when it wasn't really trumpeting. And uh, the skunk was praying when he should have been praying. It was just getting pretty in there. Complain about this, complain about that. But then you then you thought about what was outside. And nobody, I hope, was wanting to leave. I never read
read where any of the eight left. I read that wherein few eight souls were saved by water. The like figure, baptism doth also now save us. So it's uh, better to, everything may not be to your liking all the time. Reasons, though, possibly that things aren't to your liking. Possibly. Yes. Possibly. Might be because of your flesh. Might be because you're the one that's out of sorts. Maybe a little tweaking of you and your attitude. I was in a place the other day that said, the deli with an attitude. I looked through the fellow. I said, what's the attitude? You know, in my field, that's big words. What's the attitude? What do they mean, deli with an attitude? They're going to meet me at the door. And <laughs> they got a bouncer there. <laughs> what's the deal? What do they mean, deli with an attitude? I don't know if I, I like that or not. Then again, maybe they've got some really sharp mustard. I don't know. Uh, not quite sure what. I'm going to find a manager somewhere, go online and ask them, what do you mean by that? Kind of curious now. So uh, anyway, maybe it's maybe it's us that need to to. Uh, I I went to this one place, and I knew enough of the people. And they were always very kind to me, and uh, when I got there, I didn't have to wait online. They just got my seat. And so they got a new manager one day, and and I had taken a couple of kids from the church here. And, manager came flying over to my table and said, you didn't come through the line. She said, I heard about you. <laughs> so, um, you know what? She didn't last for two weeks and she was gone. <laughs> and I didn't even ask God to get rid of her. Imagine that. And uh, matter of fact, I made peace. I shook her hand and I told her, you know, don't worry about me. I'll. So I go through the line the next time and I'm waving at her, you know. <laughs> see me? See me? <laughs> oh, but after a while, we didn't see her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Attitude. Deli with an attitude. Well, maybe that was the attitude. I don't know. But I'm trying to say that uh, our God is looking for us to display a light. He's looking for us to show fitness, good spiritual condition, that we're in shape. You know, we're in shape. I had a kid come here. He's actually Sister Mary's, one of, one of her many nephews. And uh, she told me one day, I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to be a prophet. Just like that. That's, how, that's what he did. His name is Michael. And I said, Michael, I said, there's one, one thing about boxing I'm, I'd, I'd like to tell you. He said, what's that? I said, well, you got to learn to take it as well as give it. And he went, hmm, okay. I don't think he went into boxing. I think he realized, you know, that you're not just dishing it out. There's going to be some you're going to have to take. <laughs> you're going to have to take the punch every once in a while. Yeah. So I'm saying, yes, there's going to be some. Everything isn't going to be to your liking. And yes, there's going to be some hard sayings 
And yes, there's going to be some uh, pushback, if you please. Okay? But God's not raising whips. <laughs> He's raising good soldiers. Fit. Fit soldiers. Okay? Yes, everybody said praise the Lord. Colossians 3 and 18, you're going to love this. Oh, maybe Sister Williams should come. We should stand on this. Said, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Now, I didn't tell you that had nothing to do with anybody else's husband, okay? <laughs> it said your own husband. And it, and it did say, girls, it did say husbands. I had a girl tell me the other day, trying to get her to come and get come to church and get baptized, her and her mom both. She told me the other day, she I said, hey, how's it going? She said, it's going good. She said, I, I just moved out with my boyfriend. She didn't think nothing about it. See, she's a part of that world out there. That's how they do things. Well, husbands just go from guy to guy to guy to guy to guy. Wrong. I, there was a guy the other the other day. Uh, he was supposed to do a job for the church. I gave him some money up front. He never did the job. And uh, all he could cry about was all the problems he had in his life. Well, I guess so. He's got nine kids. With nine different women. Sounds like a boat full of problems to me. But that's not what, see, the Bible doesn't talk in that language. The Bible talks about being subjected to your own husband. You get married. There's a way to do it. And we want to be known as the people who do it that way. Go to that church down there, man. You go. You gonna have to. You know what they said about us years ago? I mean, forty years ago, they said that you had to pay five hundred dollars to join this church. And we were like, "Who said that? Who gave us that money?" But see, they people just want to say something because somehow or another they want to confuse you and they want to get your mind off of what's important and they don't want you to be fit. And they don't want to get fit. They don't want to get fit in good spiritual condition. They just put Christian in front of it. That'll get them. Well, that's all some people's got is just a name. But you know what? We don't have just a name. We have the name. We have the name that's above every name. Amen. So we, we're going to be the church that's known for certain things, the body of Christ, known for certain things. We're known for baptizing in the name of Jesus Christ. We're known for receiving the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence or sign of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Okay? We're known for being in subjection, for being an army that, can, that has people that can take orders and follow through and go forward. Okay? We're known for that. And many other such like things. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. 
as it is fit. Now, I'm not going to stop there because there's another prepositional phrase that comes at the end of this, and it said, in the Lord. Now, not all husbands are in the Lord. Then, ladies, you got to be in the Lord too, you know. We got we can't be, you know, <laughs> doing things the wrong way, acting the wrong way, you know, and then blaming on the Lord. I think I've told you before, and brother, it is a true account, and to me, it it says it loud and clear. There was a woman that would come to church. We all loved her, and sister so-and-so, and whatever. She'd always have us pray that God would save her husband. Well, lo and behold, God answered that prayer. She came to church, came to the altar, got the Holy Ghost, went right home, took the television or the disc nowadays, and unplug it, threw it in the canal. She came back to church. She said, well, I want him saved. She said, but I didn't want him that saved. In the Lord. You know, in the Lord. So there is some qualification, I'm trying to say. And to be fit means you're going to be qualified. So, so. I want to just make that clear. As it is fit, as it is proper, as it is right in the Lord. You know, not just any old thing will do. Not just any old thing will do. Okay? So you keep that in mind. And you ask God to help you, not my brother or my sister, but you, me, O oh Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to get fit and to stay fit. I want to be a part of a fit generation that's going forward. And everybody said amen. amen. Let's lift our hearts with our hands and love him. God, I give you praise. I give you glory. I give you honor. And we all are in need of thy divine help, oh God. We don't want to go back the things of this world. We want to move forward into the new world of the church, the body of Christ, and where you would take us, oh God. Thank you, holy King. Thank you, mighty God. Oh, Lord God, I praise you. I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, holy God. Oh, let's worship him. Oh, yeah. Be free. 
Jesus, the blood, the blood. 